You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. Good day to you. I'm Pastor Craig Beeman. And today we're looking at the gospel brings life. The gospel brings life. Today on Words of Encouragement. Wow, isn't it nice? Isn't it awesome to be able to come into this place and be reminded of how great God is? I tell you what, I need that. I need that. Man, we go through a week and we see stuff and it's just over and over and it's just constantly bad and bad. And we get to come in here and we get to be reminded of how big and great God is and we need that. We need that reminder and what a, no better place, no better place. You're not, gonna get, you're not getting this at McDonald's, you're not getting this anywhere else. You're not finding encouragement for the people of God anywhere else. You are finding it at your church. You are finding it at your house of worship. And I thank God that we're able to come in and gather together and be reminded of how big and how great God is. I tell you what, it is so thrilling and encouraging uh, to be able to meet with you each week and just be reminded of who God is and, and, and asking Him as we meet together to just speak to our hearts speak to our hearts through the music, through the prayers, through the preaching, through just the time in Sunday school. Just, I mean, look, God is at work, and He's speaking all the time. I think I've always felt we miss out on what He's saying simply because we're not listening. We need to, uh, as my Greek professor used to say, screw up our attention uh, and be in tune to God's voice in our lives. This morning, uh, we're, we're continuing to talk about the gospel. Uh, and we talked about the transforming power of the gospel last week. And this week, I want to talk about the fact that the gospel brings life. The gospel brings life. When a life is breathed into a being, it continues to grow and to develop. The, the being does. And when life is breathed into it, God is the author of life. Life physically and life spiritually. Think about it. If He is the author of life, and I'm not trying to be political here, but I've got to agree and think that God is pro-life. I just have to believe He is. If He's the creator of life, I think He's for life. He is the life giver. As we continue to talk about the gospel, we look at the spiritual life-giving power of the gospel. If you're able and you're willing, I'm going to ask that you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God, looking at Acts chapter 9 and looking at verses 34 and 42. 34 and 42, and then we'll look closer at these. Uh, but verse 34 says, uh, Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. Immediately he got up. 
Verse 42, it became known all over Joppa and many believed in the Lord. May God bless the reading of His Word and may we hear God Himself speak to us through His Word today. I invite you to be seated. The first thing I see is that God brings life. Now, Peter is traveling through these regions, all of these regions, it says. He visits with some believers in Lydda. Look at verse 33. There he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years, for he was paralyzed. Eight years this man had been in the bed, paralyzed. Eight years, not mobile, not going to the local coffee shop, having a cup of coffee, not able to go out to eat, no Lita high school sports to attend, bedridden for eight years. What kind of life is that? Well, I can tell you for certain it's not an easy one. It's definitely not an easy life to be in bed Laying there, lying there. It's not a fun life. But look at verse 34. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. Immediately he got up. The scriptures tell us immediately he got up. Immediately. God gave this man life. Any moving this man wanted or needed to do, he could now do. Paralysis, history. Breakfast in bed, probably gone too. He could move. He had a new lease on life because of the healing power of God. But wait, wait, wait a minute. What, this is nice, Brother Craig, that we're talking about a man who is here. I mean, this, this is a wonderful thing. This is a wonderful thing that this man was healed, but weren't there others? Certainly there should have been or could have been and probably were others like him. Or at least similar, maybe not as long in the bed, but certainly there were others who needed healing. Now why did Peter just not heal everyone out there? The answer is, we do not know. Well, goodness, preacher, we're going to come all the way. I, I got up this morning, got dressed, came all the way over here to the church house so that I could hear what God is saying and what God's Word is, is proclaiming. And you're going to tell me you don't know why that Peter didn't go around and heal just everybody. Well, I just don't. I just do not know why. Drop down to verse 36. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in Greek is called Dorcas. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. Here is a disciple, a follower of Christ. Her name is Tabitha, and as the scripture says in Greek, it's uh, Dorcas. Both names mean gazelle. Isn't that interesting? But because of the close association with the word dork, we will call her Tabitha today, okay? 
Did you notice something, though, about Tabitha? Look, there's a wealth of information in the scriptures when we look close enough. Look at this. She was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity. The Bible tells us which she continually did. Now, is that surprising? Should that be surprising for a child of God, a follower of God? Should that be a surprising characteristic? No, that should be a normal characteristic in a follower of God. A follower of Christ, it should be normal. That shouldn't be abnormal that she was someone who did acts of kindness continually, acts of charity continually. That should just be who we are. And it was who she was, Tabitha. So we have this lady who is a follower of Christ, who lives out her relationship with him through continual acts of kindness and charity. In other words, her relationship with the Lord showed she was known for what she did and who she was in Christ. But the Bible tells us she fell sick and died. Her body was washed. It was placed in an upper room. Wow. Wonderful lady. Abounding in deeds of kindness and, and, and charity. And she just continually, she, she lived this way continually. But she died. Well, that just doesn't seem fair. Well, the facts are we're all going to die at some point. But this doesn't seem right to have such a lady as this who cared, it seems, for others in such a way that she continually did these acts of charity and kindness. Look at verse 38. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him, imploring him, do not delay in coming to us. Hey, send word to Peter and tell him he better get a move on. He better hurry. He better hurry. Don't delay. You just you, you get going now as soon as you get this message, Peter. I mean, this is important. So, so uh, since none of the disciples by this time had helped raise a person from the dead, there is no indication that they think Peter could help in that way. But since he was a disciple, one who followed Christ and he was known throughout the area, they send for him and because he, he's nearby. Let's, let's have him come. Maybe he can bring us comfort. Maybe something can come out of his presence with us. In verse 39, so Peter arose and went with them. When he arrived, they brought him into the upper room. And all the widows stood beside him. Whoa, what is this? All the widows stood beside him. What are these? Who are these widows? Weeping and showing, oh, showing all the tunics and garments that Tabitha used to make while she was with them. What? So who was she ministering to? She was ministering to the widows. She was ministering to those who needed to be ministered to. And there they were showing all the tunics and the garments which she made, which she used to make while she was with them. Look, she made these things, Peter. Look, Peter, this is what she made with her own hands. 
This is who she was. She cared for us. Look, Peter. Look at what she did. What were they saying? Those widows were saying to Peter, We felt we mattered because she ministered to us. She reached out to us. She made us close and we mattered. We, we, we gathered in our minds and our, in our hearts that we mattered to the Lord because of Tabitha. Because she spent time making clothes that she gave to us. We matter. She matters, Peter. She mattered to us. Look at what she did. Look at the ministry she had among us, Peter. We want you to know who she is she was we want you to understand about this lady Tabitha it appears her ministry may have been primarily to the widows in the community of Joppa what an influence what a difference she must have made these widows are heartbroken Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed and turning to the body he said Tabitha Arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. And calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. What a day! What a miracle of God! What a day in the lives of these widows! What a day in the life of those around in that community! God gave life to Tabitha once again. Why was she chosen to be raised to life? Why her alone? We do not know. In an area like that, surely there would have been others who had recently died. Surely there would have been others who had died. Why? this one why did Peter not raise them all to life we simply do not have an answer nor do we always understand the ways of God do I like that no I wish I knew why why God did what he did why he did it the way he did I wish I had answers I would love to know God why did you do this this way why did you do this this way why did you let this person leave our presence here on earth why 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 I'm not questioning God's authority but I'm asking him why I know he has the authority to do what he wants I know that but I'm just a puny little human and I don't understand and I want to know I have questions And I want answers. Why does God do this for some and not for others? I'd love to know why the thinking behind those who get killed in tornadoes. Those who choose to do drugs and get involved in drugs. I I, I don't understand why. But I will tell you, you want to know what makes me so mad? What makes me so mad is when a preacher will stand in a pulpit after a disaster like Katrina and say, well, God's judging New Orleans. That's why he let it hit there. 
Now, wait a minute. I've got some friends that are living holy lives before a holy God, and they're going to church, and they're witnessing to their neighbors, and they got hit. That doesn't seem fair. Don't you tell me as a preacher that you know all the ways of God, and you can just say without doubt, well, that's God's judgment. Oh, my goodness. Be careful in speaking for God. Be careful. We don't understand the ways of God. God does know what He's doing. But we as humans do not always understand. We just don't get it. And you know what? That's okay. I run across a lot of people who feel they just have to have these answers as to why God did this, why He didn't do it this way, why He did it that way. And they will come up with something because they feel like they've got to have an answer. We don't have to have an answer. We don't always have to have an answer. Although I know, I'm, I'm with you. It's, I struggle with that. I don't like that. I do want an answer. But I hope and pray I'm not just going to come up with one. And run with it just because it makes me happy to have an answer. I pray that someday I will have an answer. But if I don't have one, I'm not going to tell you I do. Because I don't understand the ways of God. In both of these situations, we see God brought life to two who were essentially both lifeless. One lying in a bed. Eight years, not able to get up and go out and be with his friends and be with his family in a way uh, that others were able to do. We have this one who has passed away and God brings life. One could not have much of a life and the other could have no life. Ah, but God. God gave them life. Every day after their healing was different than the day before Peter showed up, they had been given life. God is the provider of physical life. That's the first thing I want you to see is that God is the provider of physical life. He breathes life into us. That first breath that baby takes. Boy, that is one of the scariest things. When, they, when a baby is born, if you're ever in that room, when that happens, the baby's not breathing. You know, in these old TV shows, <laughs> these old TV shows, you, you, you know, you could count on waiting you know, you never saw anything in the old TV shows. There was a door, and behind that door, something was happening. A baby was coming into the world. But on the other side of that door was where the dad was and where the family was, and they were waiting. And then you'd hear, and then you'd hear, you'd hear that cry. And that baby had taken its first breath, and what did he do? He cried. <laughs> what am I doing here? Got a whole life before him or her. Ah! <laughs> but that first breath of a baby, God provides. God has provided. And that breath comes into that child, and that child begins to breathe on its own outside. And whoa, oh, what a world he or she has entered into. But God is the giver of physical life. Well, second, God brings spiritual life through the gospel. Look at the first part of verse 35. And all who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him. Now, this is talking about Aeneas. 
and they turned to the Lord. Oh my goodness, what? Aeneas was healed. He, he, he got up, and it, I love this. It always seems that, that uh, God instructs through the person who brought the healing. Uh, God brings the healing, but he uses us as instruments. He always seems to say, Make up your, you know, take up your bed and walk. Make up your bed here. And he tells, uh, Peter says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. In other words, hey, you're not going to lay down anytime soon. <laughs> And we know you're not because you're so excited. You're going to be running all over the place. But, hey, don't, you know, you go ahead and make your bed because it's going to be a while before you lay down in it again. But he says, make that bed. Immediately he got up. And it says, all, they, the, all who lived and all who lived at Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. Oh, see what, see what, just, that's just a little portion of that verse. And sometimes we just move over and say, look, that, that Aeneas, he was healed. Oh, that's incredible. Look at that. Uh, he, he was healed. And Tabitha, she, she was healed. We look at that, but look at what is happening spiritually in the neighborhood of Lydda and Sharon. Look at what's happening spiritually in the coastal fertile plain area in Israel. Aeneas. They saw him. He'd been paralyzed eight years. He's up and about. He's walking around. What in the world? The man many of them probably had not seen in a long time, unless they were real good visitors. If they were ones who went and visited him, they saw him. But if they never saw him, you know, they may have thought he died a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Eight years ago, I went and saw him in his house. But then I hadn't been, you know, I hadn't been back. I don't know where, what happened. Oh, no, he's alive. There he is right there. There he goes. (laughs) What in the world? He's alive and he's doing well and he's moving around on his own. What is this? Bible tells us they turned to the Lord. Life was given back to Aeneas. He could run around. But spiritual life was given to those who turned to the Lord. From that day forward, they had a new life in Christ. Their lives had changed. They turned to the Lord, the Bible tells us. They turned to Him. They didn't continue with living the life they had been living. They turned to the Lord. From that day forward, they had a new life. In Christ. Spiritually, they had been dead. But when they saw the power of God to heal, they turned their lives over to Him. The gospel brings life to those who are spiritually dead. It brings life, spiritual life. There is purpose in their life now. There is God in their life. There's a joy inexpressible, full of glory in their life now. Because they turned to the Lord. God gave them spiritual life. Not just temporary life. Not just a life that they could live on this earth. He'd given them that already. But no, now he has given them spiritual life. Because they turned to him. Drop back down to verses 42 and 43. Now we're talking about Tabitha. It says, it became known all over Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. What in the world? Look at that. And Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. When the news of Tabitha being dead and brought back to life hit the news that day, the Bible tells us many believed in the Lord. Again, the power of God was displayed and people heard about it and made the decision to follow Him. They saw an expression of His power. They saw what God could do. 
They saw who he was and what he could do in the life of a person. And they realized they wanted that God. They wanted him in their lives. They turned to him. They believed in the Lord, the Bible tells us. Both groups of people who encountered the physical healing power of God also encountered the spiritual healing of their sin-sick souls. Both groups have a new life in Christ. Why is this such a big deal? Why does this sound more eternally significant than a healed body? Well, what comes with a spiritual life? I mean, if God gives us a spiritual life, what does that involve? What does that mean for us? Physical life gives us a span of time on this spinning globe in space. Spiritual life gives us eternal life with God. Eternal life. I listened, I, would, I listened to myself say the word eternal this week, and I thought, that just seems so... We, we hear that a lot. You're going to hear the word eternal in church. Out and about, where, you, where, you, where are you going to hear the word eternal? You're not going to hear it much. It means forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And I could go on throughout through to next Sunday saying that. Forever and ever and ever and ever. It means forever. We've got a life that will live forever with God in heaven if we trust in Him. If we put our faith in Him, if we believe in Him, if we turn to Him as these in the Bible did after seeing the power of God. Wow, spiritual life. Spiritual life gives us eternal life with God. But what else does living a spiritual life give us? First, we're no longer under any condemnation. We are set free from the law of sin and death. We actually are able to fulfill the law as we walk according to the Spirit. We never had the ability to do that before. We now have life and peace instead of death. Our mind is no longer hostile toward God. We want to please Him. And we can please Him with Christ in our hearts. We belong to Him. Our spirit is alive because of righteousness. We are able to live by the Spirit because the Spirit is in us. We are led by the Spirit. We are children of God. We have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear because we are children. We are heirs with God and fellow heirs with Christ. We have hope. The Spirit helps our weakness by praying for us. And He does this perfectly because He intercedes for us according to the will of God. We have a glorious purpose to become conformed to the image of His Son. We can have no charges brought against us because we have already been justified by the ultimate judge. We cannot be condemned because Jesus died, was raised, and intercedes for us. We will never be separated from the love of Christ. Never be separated from the love of Christ. That is the spiritual life. That is what you have when you turn to Jesus. That is what you have when you believe in Him. You will never be separated from His love. Ain't nobody going to take you out of His hand. That's the Craig version of it. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to snatch you out of His hand. Ain't nobody going to do that. They can't. Once you're in the hand of God, nobody can take you out. You're not going to be snatched away. God's got you. He has you. 
If you've truly trusted in Him, He has you. All of that amounts to so much more than a life in this world. Wow. We're talking about eternity here. Spiritual life with Christ is worth more than we could ever attempt to afford. (laughs) We could not afford to purchase it. Therefore, Christ did it for us. Therefore, He went to that cross, and He was crucified on that cross, and He suffered. You're think, I, I don't know about you, but I thought about this. He's the Son of God. Surely it, wasn't, surely it didn't really hurt. He's the Son of God. It didn't hurt Him. No, the Bible tells us He suffered. He endured that suffering. He endured that punishment for you and for me. Because He loves us. He died on that cross. He died on that cross. Oh, but He was the Son of God. Yeah, and He died on that cross. The Bible tells us this. But on the third day, things changed. He came back. He rose from the dead. And He came back. And He visited with so many people after that. People saw Him. The disciples encountered him and had one-on-one talks with him, and it was amazing. And he was alive, and he's still alive. And if we put our hope and our trust in him, if we will trust in him for salvation, for, our, for the forgiveness of our sins, if we will say, I want to be forgiven, oh God, would you forgive me of my sins? Would you please forgive me of my sins? I repent. I want to turn away from those things. I don't want to live that way. I want to believe in you. I want to trust in you that you will forgive me of my sins. I want you to come inside of my heart. I want you to walk with me, to be in charge of my life from this day forward. God says, you know what? I will do that. I will forgive you. I will walk with you. I will be in charge of your life. If you will let me do that, I will do that. God wants that for us. He wants us to be forgiven. He wants us to be in a state of forgiveness with Him. Reconciled with Him. Back in right relationship. The relationship got messed up early on in the Garden of Eden. And ever since, we've been separated from Him. And God says, look, I want to call, I'm calling you back. I'm calling you to me. I'm calling you to me. Will you come? Will you come? I want to forgive you of your sins. But you must repent. You must want that. You must desire that. You must ask Him for forgiveness. For Him to come into your heart. And to be in charge of your life. Maybe today is the day you would like to do that. We have a God who is the giver of physical life. We have a God who's the giver of spiritual life. That's Listen, He's given you physical life. You're here. You're alive. You're watching. You may be watching this on the internet. And if you're watching, I want you to know that God loves you too. He cares for you very deeply. Maybe today you'd like to give your heart to Him. Maybe today you'd like to ask Him to come into your heart be in charge of your life. That is truly the most important decision you will ever make in your life. What to do with Jesus? I truly believe everyone needs to have that opportunity. After having heard what Jesus has done, after having heard how much God loves someone, is for that person to be able to make that decision to follow Jesus 
or to reject him. It's so important. Where are you? Where are you? Have you made that decision to follow Jesus? Listen, I would love to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus. In fact, do you know what? You can give your heart to him right now. If you would like, listen, if you're listening right now and you're thinking, you know what? I do want to do that. Would you simply pray with me? I'm going to ask you to say some words, nothing magical, nothing special. We have to tell God what we want him to do. So pray, pray these words after me. Dear God, I have sinned against you. I am sorry for my sin. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin and come into my heart and to be in charge of my life. Listen, if you pray that prayer and you meant it with all of your heart, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that with all of your heart, then Jesus has come into your heart. He's forgiven you of your sins and he's in charge of your life. Now, what do you do now? Will you allow God to work through you? You start reading the Bible. Open up to John's Gospel. It's over in the New Testament toward the uh, back of the Bible. And you can find it. You just start reading in John. And I just encourage you uh, to do that. Take some time. Talk to the Lord. Talk with Him. Tell Him, you know, tell Him, look, just God, help me. Help me understand your word. I'm going to read John and I want your help. Lord, help me to do that. Help me to understand, speak to my heart. And as you grow in Christ, you will be what God wants you to be. Find a church. Find a church near you that preaches the Bible. Uh, Find a church near you that loves people. And you can see them loving on people. Find a place to worship the Lord on a regular basis. Remember, you do matter to God and to us at the First Baptist Church of Winsboro.